All right, there we are. We did it. Hey, we did it. Hooray. Welcome to Talking Heads, everyone. Episode 271, your once-week live show for the latest in beer and tech news. I'm Jeff. I'm Rhett. Thank you so much for watching on this Wednesday night or in podcast form over on Anchor.fm or wherever your favorite podcasts are found. We also do clips of this show over on Craft Extra if you don't have the whole two hours because, well... Who does? If you've never seen the show before, we talk beer, we talk tech, we talk games, pop culture, entertainment, usually some Star Trek. All Super Chats are right on the air, so long as they will not permanently demonetize my channel. We do drink alcohol on the show, and if you're drinking along with us, alcoholic or not, let us know in the chat, and we'll give some early show shoutouts as we go along. Last but not least, if you'd like to take part in the super secret chat and the even more super secret after party, think about joining the Patreon. Link is down in the video description. As a bonus, you'll get exclusive access to my Discord server, where you can chat with myself, John, Rhett, Steve, all the hosts from Talking Heads, and join the awesome community that hangs out over there. Couldn't have said it better myself. I know, you've tried a couple of times. <laughs> Shut it! <laughs> oh, how's it going tonight? How you doing, Rhett? Not too bad. Feels like it's always a scramble to like leave the studio and get here and get everything set up on time. Yeah, uh, I did make a mistake tonight in getting ready for the show. Um, usually I will have dinner about like five o'clock. I'll make myself something because my we usually eat dinner as a family here about six or six thirty. Uh, but on Wednesdays, I'm busy. And so I, I'll usually make myself something quick at about five or I'll just wait until after the show. Uh, well, my oldest decided that she wanted pizza and I'm like, I can order a quick pizza and her and I can just eat that and we'll be cool. Uh, so of course we got pizza and breadsticks and, and whatnot. And, uh, I, I had one piece of cheesy bread and oh my God, now I am starving. <laughs> Big mistake. Big mistake. I know better than that, too. I knew before I even ate it. But uh, it's cheesy bread with bacon and jalapeno in it. Oh. <laughs> I thought that was going a whole other way. Like, I had one piece of cheesy bread, and now, Rhett, you're going to have to hold down the show while I go back and forth between the bathrooms. Right, right. Jeff's mic is lower than usual. I, I turned it down because, according to my... Uh, my EQ, I was peaking like crazy. So I just turned it back up. Hopefully that's yeah. back where it should be. I don't know what's going on with the EQ in OBS. I don't know if it's a bug or what, but every so often, like one word would just like, boo, you're peaked. Uh, but I didn't have time to like test it. So I was just trusting the gauge and apparently the gauge yeah. may be wrong. So. Well, it could be because what I'm hearing in my own ears uh is you are very loud and clipping so i have my volume <laughs> down really low see that is so weird i i don't know what's going on with that uh yeah technology who knows, who knows? Uh, actually yours is clipping on my screen a little bit now too that's mm. that's just weird Rhett's mic is hot according wow. yeah okay well i can turn yours down over here that's okay which is crazy because like i'm looking at my interface here and i'm like Dude, I'm barely eking past minus 20 dB. Yeah, now, now again, and and in fact, let me look at the window setting real quick, because again, things get 
weird when you do multiple inputs like I've got and multiple outputs and everything else. Uh, let's see here. Uh, microphone. Check. Check. Okay, yeah, even Windows is saying I'm clipping now, which is weird because it's never done that before at this setting. In fact, I was about, uh, I was almost two-thirds of the way up. Now I'm less than half, and it still says I'm well, you know, I wonder how much. much of this I wonder how much of this is maybe Zoom. Because did you notice that Zoom had a big update just now? Like when I launched it. Yeah, Zoom, like... Zoom updated, but this is like local settings. Like I would understand if Zoom was Oh yeah. was boosting, but this is in OBS and in Windows all at the same time. So I don't know what's going on. And they're they're clipped again. I... <laughs> like most yeah, of the was... time it's it's reading fine. I'm reading up between like negative 10 negative 8 sometimes but then all of a sudden it'll just go and pop and blow everything out yeah yeah i don't know both sound okay to me ret a bit louder see yeah and usually i'm the loud one yeah <laughs> so well you know uh i guess it's time for a change of fortunes this week yeah i didn't change anything and and i've got you at negative seven now just to keep you out of the red dang yeah and right there you hit negative four so you're like oh my god right where you need to be if if not still just a little hot but um, i can't get louder than that i am screwed right uh, i mean that I can, is i can give you a couple more no but then i have to talk loud the whole time right this is the trap here. Uh, I mean, I, I, I you know, whatever. I could also I lower if, my gain on my. I wonder interface. if part of it was John, because uh, I did have. Uh, I think John was quiet last week, and so I turned him up. I turned his gain up manually, uh, and I didn't change compressor settings, so I was artificially adding seven dB. I'm looking back at my filters now and going, maybe there's there's something that I did wrong. Eh, but doubtful. Yeah. Jeff is perfect, and it sounds like everybody's on board with the uh, cool. with the sound. So with everyone, okay, cool. Which is which is great. I'm gonna go ahead and open my beer. Um, no fanfare, hold your applause. But uh, because it is now the official oh, beer of Craft Computing, uh, we got the big red R here. We're going Rainier right Rhett, out the Rhett, can. That, that sponsorship is it was the one week thing. Oh, I don't, I don't know. If you're in charge of those emails. You... Sent a whole truck to my house. <laughs> it's going to take me a while to drink my way out We're of this gonna one, We're going to have to Jeff. send that back. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm going to drink a Rainier on this show until the end of the year. All right. Well, I have a Crux Fermentation Project out of Portland, or, or no, sorry, Bend, Oregon. I, I always get Crux and Freem confused for some reason. Because uh, Freem is what, Hood River? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I always think one or or the other of them is in Portland when no, Freem is Hood River, Crux is Bend. Anyway, I have a Crux fermentation project, uh, Kiki Magic Hazy IPA. Nice. Uh, that looks really good. Yeah. So 6.9%, 35 IBU. I was gifted a uh, beer that I was hoping to drink on the show tonight, but uh, I don't really feel the best, so I decided to save it till next time. But um, 
It was uh, my prize for uh, rolling the first critical success in my game of Dungeons and Dragons on Monday, and it is a 16% Imperial Lager. However, uh, I'm pretty sure it's an awful beer. It's Wait, called what? effing awesome. Yeah, 16% Imperial Lager. Yeah, I know. It's called effing awesome, if you guys want to look it up. And apparently it is really bad, but... Uh, Those words aren't supposed to go together. I know. I, I don't... I know. Yeah. <laughs> No. So uh, my buddy bought, brought two prizes the other day for the first critical failure and the first critical success. And they were drawn randomly out of the bag. And one was a bottle of MD 2020 uh, <laughs> atomic melon flavor. And the other was this 16% beer. So MD 2020. Wow. Uh, atomic melon. Yeah, I think it's Atomic Melon. Somebody's <laughs> going to correct me in chat. Like, they don't have Atomic Melon. I drink MD2020 all the time. It's Atomic Strawberry, you goof. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I've had their <laughs> strawberry before. Yeah. Who hasn't? <laughs> but uh, Atomic Melon, huh? And 16% Imperial. I'm still trying to wrap my head around that phrase. Yeah, I googled uh, some <laughs> reviews of it earlier, and all of them were like, I'm pretty sure this was given to me as a gag, because it is so bad. <laughs> but the art is pretty cool. It's like, you know, uh, mm -hmm. and then, yeah, 16%. I don't know. It's from Latvia, I think. Oh, okay. Uh, if that explains it, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, listen to us. We're just like, it's from Latvia. Oh, oh. Right, right. I'm totally <laughs> everyone, on board now. Everyone from Latvia is like, hey, wait a minute. Uh, let's see. Cole, uh, Jeff, what's up with your hand? I've I've just been painting. Nothing, nothing nefarious, nothing He's horrible. infected. Yeah. The fungus got him, guys. And this is how it starts. Uh, no, I've been out doing some painting, so... Uh, Kren, uh, Rhett, you better take this one. Oh, right, mate. You sees. G'day, mates. Hope you're both well. Uh, I don't know how to say your. I practiced that silently to try to get you that Aussie. I, 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 I think it's a real deep dip. G'day, mates. Hope you're both well. There we go. That wasn't too bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's, that's one of the ones I think is the O and the U are both scooped yeah. out of the word. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Two Aussie bucks. Thanks, Kren. Good eye, Mike. Look, look, look at me criticizing well. your Australian accent. Yeah, yours is awful. I, I... <laughs> you I... miss all of the shots you don't take, Joe. Right. I, I can do, like, character voices. I can't do accents to save my life. Except, like, the really offensive ones. Like, like the ones that I can't do on air, like a Chinese or a Russian. <laughs> like, yeah, I always just go to like, that's not a knife. This is a knife, you know. Yeah. Uh, but my uh, my kid got a bunch of like bluey toys, uh -huh. play sets for Christmas and stuff. And it, dude, he loses his mind. Like he's only three, but he loses his mind when I grab the characters and I do like the voices i'm like hey bingo you're being cheeky no i'm not you know he's just he thinks it's the funniest thing in the world uh, uh it's not as good a practice as it as it sounds yeah so uh one that that my kids love uh is wally kazam 
Uh, it's a Nickelodeon show, and it's uh, it's an it's a troll who has a magic stick that can create words. Mm. And we have a magic, or we have a, a letter of the day and, and whatnot. So every word has to start with the A, and I can make anything with the magic stick that starts with A. Well, that's not the, the fun part. The fun part is his companion is Norville, and he's a dragon. But they made the dragon into basically like a dog that talks. So it's kind of like a Scooby-Doo kind of thing. All right. Uh, and... and row Yeah. Uh, like I, I can do the normal voice dead to rights like like you know if if he was voiced by justin roiland i would totally put in a, an audition tape to to do the voice of normal moving forward to replace uh, him <laughs> to, to replace the voice of normal right uh but uh yeah, it's really funny because he he'll speak whole words and everything else, but it's all this this gibberish. And uh, my girl's favorite is uh, he was reading one of the characters a bedtime story one time, and uh, so he opens the book and and does a whole story. Now we're so there's my voice. Nice. Yep, it's pretty good. I like it. We do have another super chat. From Novella Hub, five regular American dollars, freedom dollars. Yes. Uh, we'll come Actual here money that I can spend on yeah. beer. Currency. Yeah. Um, <laughs> not this Monopoly stuff. No. Um, Waconia Brewing, cookies and cream, milk stout, 5.4%. It has a 3.9 on untapped from Waconia, Minnesota, I hope. Yes. MS, and MS all of Minnesota. the Minnesotans over there are like. It's Minnesota. Uh, it's Minnesota. That's actually Waconia. <laughs> Don't you know? <laughs> Damn you, Rhett. You got me hooked on TikTok. Uh, oh, I know. And I, I, I know. I, I was watching uh, one with... Uh, it, was, it was just a, a snippet from Conan O'Brien with uh, Anne Hathaway. And she was doing a, a, a bit, and, they, and she goes, one of my favorite things to do when I was pregnant was to because as a white woman, you can name your baby anything, and it's pretty much yeah. believable. And so she goes, one of my favorite things to do would be uh, if someone asked me what my baby's name would be, just to throw something out at left field, but own it. And uh, 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 and and so it's like, oh, what's your baby's name? Uh, oh, if it's a boy, we're going to name it Warig. Uh, uh, and and if it's a girl, Belize. And and they go, Warig? And, and she goes, no, 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 Warig. And, and would like <laughs> correct them every single time, but correct them with the same pronunciation. Right, yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. You got to train your algorithm a little bit more, Jeff. That's that's pretty like high concept TikTok stuff. We need to bring it down. We need oh, no. got to get granular. Oh no, I've, I'm I'm getting granular on stuff. I'm, I'm starting <laughs> to say. get a regular feed of like, yep, yep, yep. Oh, I'm gonna watch that one again. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah. It's it's really funny. Like I'm, I'm I, getting know... that swipe rhythm down too. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I always I always have a good laugh. Like when I you know I see a video that has a million views. Like of course it's going to be funny or good or whatever. Mm -hmm. But then I get one. I'm like, oh man, that's great. And I go to like it, and it has like a hundred likes. And I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, uh oh, <laughs> the algorithm's got me. Yeah. The algorithm's got me. <laughs> like a daniel tosh joke at a target now there's a reference for you uh, of the algorithm 
Yeah, everybody knows that specific reference, Jeff. Daniel Tosh is talking about getting so specific with his joke and and narrowing it down until there's one dude in the back who goes, that joke had everything. We were just at Target the other day, and I was saying we needed to fix out or swap out the light fixtures from a joke of, like, child abuse and, and drunk drivers. <laughs> like, and, and and he goes that that's my formula is is I I keep narrowing the joke down and making it funnier to less and less people until there's one dude who's laughing his ass off. You know that's that's a funny trick actually in a way because I feel like that would naturally lend itself to becoming a sort of inside joke between him and his audience too. Right. So you're actually really not alienating that many people. Like you got the people to whom it actually applies, but then you're bringing everybody along for the ride. Like yeah, and 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 that's kind of why I like his stand-up is it does do that. <laughs> right. I mean that's that's almost like the power of that like that to me has a similar vibe of like almost doing like callbacks in a way like yeah. less obviously connected, but like how the callback feels really good when you're watching the stand-up because yep you you were there when it happened right. you're like oh it's, my god he's talking about that thing it, we just it's did that collective together. experience and, yeah. and the cult yeah um but no he uh there's one particular bit that he does that he he goes like you know i was abused as a child and i and but but i was raised rich so my life was okay and then he dives down and like you know we shopped at target instead of walmart and you know one day i'm sitting there with my 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 girlfriend well the girl i was seeing at the time and and He's just narrowing it down and down and down and down until he finally goes, you know, we should go with the ivory light sockets. <laughs> uh, Jay Brinks 18 asks, when are you going to start talking about tech? And I uh, think just because of that, we should skip it tonight. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Uh, if you're new to the show, usually the first 15 or 20 minutes is just kind of like this. We just vibe for finding our bit, rhythm, find yeah. our rhythm. Uh, this show is a slow burn. Uh, and, uh, my analytics always prove that, but once we, once we hit that 20 minute mark, we will slowly keep increasing until about the one hour mark. And then we get a little into the weeds and then the viewers start dropping off. But, uh, we have actually grown minute by minute from minute five to minute 18. Perfect. So... That's because so, people saw people what we're going to be. Uh, they're going to be. They're waiting for the tech news, I guess. Right, so. but, but that's what the that's what this show is. It's very slow burn, yeah. uh, very non formal. This ain't Wan show. We're not bang bang banging them out. This is uh, this is the guy and his friends sitting down having beer and going. Did you see the the Zen Five leak? The I I guess AMD is going to do it again and hit like thirty percent IPC improvement. Like can't a, believe it. Like a never before seen generational leap year over year from CPUs. Uh, man, if you thought your CPU was out of date now, just wait until Q4 when they finally launch. Speaking of which, Do they ever let their engineers sleep. I I don't know. Uh, but AMD did have a bit of a leak this week with Zen Five <laughs> architecture. Uh, I. No, we can't do it because he asked for it. Sorry. Oh, sorry, dude. <laughs> My bad, man. My bad. Yep. Yep. Sorry. We're, we're going to skip that one. We do have a super chat. If we want to get to that. Yes. Uh, from Remy Delprey, 10 freedom dollars, drink and more peach mix to celebrate my trying to leave my current job, field support, and ended up getting a promotion and a raise. Lol. Um, so were you congrats. drinking on the job trying to get let go and yeah. they're like if we give you more money will you stop drinking and stay 
Uh, right. Because, yeah. man, that, that's some 4D chess I'd never thought of before. Yeah. Strangely, I drink on the job, and my boss is like, hey, grab me one on the way back, mate. Right. Actually, right. your boss is like, hey, it's 12.02. You want one? <laughs> uh, true story. True uh, story. I, I, I've met him. He's pretty, he's pretty chill. Uh, all right. Now we'll all get right. into the tech news. Okay. Uh, now that that guy definitely left. Right. But, but I'm starting <laughs> with Apple, and then we'll get to AMD. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay. So... 9to5Mac posted an opinion piece, um, and I read through it, and usually I, I won't cover, like, opinion pieces, because they're like, hey, we're midway through a news cycle. What can we do to, you know, generate clicks? Um, but I read through this one, and and I kind of agree and, and see a lot of the points that they made, and I thought it was worth talking about. Um, since we're also going to be talking about AMD and Intel, the other two major players in the in the space with Apple and, and ARM um, about Apple's transition away from x86 and into ARM. And the opinion is that Apple may have overestimated their ability to create a Mac Pro based on Apple Silicon. So there have been some teasers, and uh, I believe Apple is actually on record as stating uh, the next Mac Pro is going to be like a 64 and 96 core ARM juggernaut beast with like up to 384 gigs of RAM and and everything else. Um, but did Apple bite off more than they could chew? And and it's interesting. Now we know Apple historically is very slow to cater to the pro market. And I think it's because they buy too much into their own BS sometimes. Uh, or they try to outdo themselves instead of just delivering a product that professionals would want to use. Which, by not delivering new products, you also dissuade professionals from using you. So it's it's like... <laughs> when, the, when the current generation Mac Pro launched in 2019... It didn't exactly set the world on fire. In fact, there were a lot of people who went, well, that's a bit of a letdown. Because for $5,999, you got an 18-core <coughs> Cascade Lake. Uh, or no, it was not even Cascade Lake. It was... Um, gosh. What's first-generation scalable? It's been a while. It was a first-generation Xeon scalable um, based on the Xeon W line, 3166 or something like that. Um, Eight-core Xeon CPU, which at the time was already being beat by a $330 Ryzen 7 2700X. Just flat out every metric, every performance benchmark, and, and here you are trying to sell a CPU in a baseline professional system at $6,000. The CPU alone, Intel was charging like $850 in, in bulk purchase for. Um, your professional flagship is getting outflanked at every regard by entry and mid-tier level parts. And... While they did introduce like a the the Vega Pro Duo with it, where you can get up to two Vega 64 GPUs on a single die, 
Okay, what have you delivered since then? Well, it still ships with that. Oh, and it also ships with an RX 580 Pro, which is just an RX 580 with different branding. Um, so for $6,000, you were getting at the time the equivalent of about a $1,000 workstation. Uh, it wasn't exactly stellar. Like, I've been able to make the argument before for Apple that if you actually take an apples-to-apples apples comparison <laughs> um, of what they sell in their professional lineup versus what you would get from Dell or HP or Supermicro or, or Puget Systems or, you know, anyone like that, it actually usually lines up. This one didn't. <laughs> in any regard. Um, and so it was really hard to justify outside of a very select niche of people who needed the uh, DaVinci Resolve accelerator card for, for Apple uh, ProRes decoding because, well, they're not playing nice with NVIDIA, so they can't exactly get NVE and C on this box, can they? But that's another story. Um, and... Then the very next year, like this was launched in 2019. It finally debuted in 2019. In June of 2020, there said they said, I think it was June, maybe might have been October. In right around that time, they went, Yeah, we're gonna abandon Intel and move our entire Apple lineup to ARM-based in-house silicon, which left the Mac Pro as this six thousand dollar question mark of Okay, but once you move all the rest of the Macs, you're still going to support the Intel, and maybe the Intel stuff will get cheaper. And and Intel, to, for their credit, has reduced the price of a lot of their Xeons because of their competition with AMD Epic, uh, which at the time was shipping Rome CPUs, which were kicking butt and taking name as far as efficiency and overall performance goes. Um, but no, it's just been kind of sitting there at the same price, at the same markups, at the same everything that it did from the very first day that it shipped. And then you're getting ARM-based PCs from Apple, which will run circles around even some of the highest spec Mac Pro towers. So I'm talking the 18, 24, 28 core behemoths that you can rack up easily uh, $20,000 price tags for the metal can that it comes in. Um, oh, and if you add the $700 feet, it's even more. Um, but, uh, or was it $400 feet? It was $400 for feet and $1,000 for the stand if you wanted the stand for your monitor. Because the monitor didn't come with a stand. Because that makes sense. Um, but anyway, Apple all of a sudden started producing parts in even their, their mid-tier products of, of their MacBook Pros with you know, 10 and 12 core M M1 and M2. And then the Mac Studio dropped. And at $2,000, their $2,000 Mac Studio was running circles around most Mac Pros that they ever sold. Are they still selling the Mac Pro? Yes, they are. Apple also in 2020 stated that within two years, we will convert all of our desktops to Apple Silicon. I don't know if you've checked your watch lately, but it's 2023. I don't know if you've seen what Apple promised with the Mac Pro, but they've only kind of one 
quarter delivered that with the $4,000 Mac Studio with the M1 Max processor. Um, because the all-new Mac Pro, based on Apple Silicon, was supposed to be a user-expandable, dual-arm CPU system with 64 or 96 cores, uh, all performance-oriented, all of the hardware video encoding you could ever possibly imagine inside of a single box, um, PCI Express expansion, the fastest NVMe, integrated uh, memory controllers, and expandable memory. Um, and uh, they said they would transition before 2022, and they haven't. Well, did Apple buy too much promised, of their own BS? Right. They promised to upgrade, but I feel like too there's a big aspect of that, like admitting that they were wrong or that they were in the wrong, the, like mm -hmm. kind of off to the wrong foot business wise, like launching the Mac Pro. Um, yeah. Who knows? There's a lot of things. It, and it opens up a wider conversation too, just about innovation in general. Yeah. Which, you know, you could say that like the M1 uh, chip was, you know, really innovative and 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 pushing new boundaries and stuff sort of when it came out and people were excited about it i but, own two of them right and i love them they're fantastic performers right but generally generally it's it, it's interesting the tech field i mean we're seeing performance improvements all the time but you just don't really see the innovation that apple was known for 20 years ago uh I I would hesitate on that one because Apple by themselves as a company has paradigm shifted so many industries over the years and defined what a product category will be for decades at a time. And you can't do that every year. And 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 I, I I'm actually one who fights against that argument that like, well, Apple isn't innovating at all anymore. Um, well, I just mean on the same level as like the company that made the iPhone, you know, like I, I would say that switching to your own in-house silicon off of Intel and and the performance levels that they're hitting with their first and second generation products, that's as innovative as we've ever seen. Oh, and by the way, these are still 35 watt CPUs. And they're trading blows with the best that Intel and AMD have ever made. Right. Uh, I I hesitate to say they're not innovating. They're just not as flashy with it anymore. Well, and... that's what I mean. Because performance improvements and all this sort of stuff, and 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 naturally being the highest valued company on the planet at the mm -hmm. time of their acquisition of ARM is like, yeah, it's kind of like the natural step for a company like that to take. To me, again. I think we're coming down to a sort of uh, the nuance of the word innovative because like what you said is a hundred percent true. You can't, you can't debate it, but yeah, I'm talking, I guess about the flashiness. You know? let, let me, let, let me, let me phrase this a different way then. Um, Apple is innovative in the way that they, again, define what a product category is going to be because before right. the iPhone, do you remember smartphones? Yeah. You had like, the Blackberry, maybe? You had Blackberry, Palm Trio, and whatever the bloody hell Windows was trying to put out with Windows 6 CE. Um, like, holy crap. Uh, then Apple came in and goes, this is what a smartphone is supposed to look like. And guess what? Every single smartphone on the planet looks like that now. 
looks like yeah. the vision they had for the original iPhone. Right. Uh, they did the same thing for music. They did the same thing for mobile computing as far as the tablet goes. Right. Why did Android tablet never take off? Because it's not as ubiquitous and, and seamless of an experience as the iPad is with Apple. It's the reason right. that Android fights in that market where Android does have a good uh, a good market and good competition in the phone space because they're able to at least hit equilibrium with Apple. When it comes to those markets, though, can you innovate those markets again? Probably not, because they defined what they're supposed to be. And now all you can do is make iterative improvements to it year over year. And sometimes your improvements even take steps back. Sometimes you're like, ah, who needs a headphone jack? And and I hate that they went that way, but that was a money-making decision, not a innovation decision. But you can't tell me that Apple isn't continuing to be innovative in that they are still one of the top R&D divisions on the planet. Sure. Uh, as far as the level of technology that they're able to produce and bring to market year after year. It may not be as flashy as, ladies and gentlemen, the iPhone. But it's no less of the same level of ingenuity and, and expertise. Right. I, I, and don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to blow hot air up Apple's rear end. This like, guy loves Apple product. <laughs> but you can't redefine a paradigm like the smartphone. What are you going to do to innovate on the smartphone? What's, right. what's the next big idea? Make it bigger? Okay, cool. We did that. Uh, what's well, next? How many cameras know, it, does it have? One. Tell you what, we're going to give you five. That kind of, it, and it kind of runs against kind of the point where I was going, but I would say that, uh, you know, I guess it's only been like 15 years or whatever since, since the iPhone came out, but, but, um, but that being said, you know, I mean, yeah, we can only imagine that from here on out, the next steps of the iPhone are going to be iterative because the, what did we envision before the iPhone? We thought that the Nokia brick phones were just going to be iterative that the right. flip phones were going to get smaller and so on um you know so and that's yeah again i don't know that's not even exactly what i'm talking the type of innovation that you're describing to me like it is innovative and it is a work of mm -hmm. their engineering prowess and the way that they've constructed their business ecology yeah but you know to me it's like well yeah what do you expect like that's just what businesses do they continue to do these things and yeah right. i guess that is innovative right but uh it's not as flashy to the end it's consumer. not as exciting and because so... it just feels like the natural sort of progression of what they are going to be right doing uh so... the, the the transition to apple silicon i don't think is any less innovative than creating the iphone mm -hmm. it's it's not as flashy there's nothing tangible that you right. as a consumer can go out and go like oh i get it now this is how this device is supposed to be used and feel and integrate into my daily life because it's just a cpu right. but i don't think it's any less innovative and and again i'm splitting hairs with the definition there but for, for the well, people who always say well give me the next iphone if you can think of what the next iPhone is, Apple will probably hire you. <clears throat> right, exactly. So, <laughs> yeah.
and and it's just i guess and to me it comes back to the conversation about the the mac pro is it's like um i don't know there i i, I was trying to tie it together with some sort of commentary about you know letting their skews stagnate and things like that but um letting overall their skew stagnate is a major recurring issue with apple and again is it a money-making strategy is it a perfectionism issue is it a like what is it because every other company has figured out the we're going to produce five or six flagship products per year and they're going to be better than last year's and apple will they'll sit on products for two or three years sometimes or in the case of the professional markets which are the ones with actual money to throw at the wall um they'll go like five years who cares do you realize how much faster pcs are today at a raw horsepower number than they were in 2019 right like like the improvements that have been made between 2019 and 2022 end of 22 in that three-year period since the since the mac pro was released is a larger jump than from 2011 to 2019. uh and so letting the old mac pro stagnate it's like okay i get it letting this one stagnate in this environment you can't afford to do that and see and i wonder if it is a business strategy because to me it's like how many dupes do they capture with that six thousand dollar price tag people who might not be as technologically literate as others and they're like well mac is the best and they have the six thousand dollar thing you always get what you pay for and in this case they're not getting what they pay for right but how you know it's like the golden whale or whatever you know it's like they how, how many of those does apple capture and is it worth just not addressing because of that you know like the the 2013 trash can mac was met with very apprehensive lukewarm passive aggressive and in some case downright hostile reception from press and industry professionals alike and they sat on that one for six years right yeah (laughs) we know you hate it we don't care (laughs) (laughs) um so who knows who knows what the which leads me to think it's more of a perfectionism point of view of we're not going to release the product until it's perfect but the problem is you're letting everyone else pass you by yeah and and right now if you are an apple professional if you have fully invested into uh pro logic and final cut and and everything and your workflow revolves around that and you also need expansion cards via pci express i know they exist uh but if that's also your market um and you are that professional four years is a long time yeah uh when i was doing freelance work i would basically rebuild my workstation every three years like clockwork um uh, laptop too because in three years time i need the additional battery life i need the additional performance i need the additional efficiency 
uh, to be able to do my job as efficiently as possible. And, and three years was a pretty good benchmark for that. Uh, boy, what if there is no upgrade? <laughs> Awful. There you are. So we do have a uh, super chat way up there. Yes. Tech Geek. 6969. Nice. nice. Uh, day off today so I can actually catch the live show. Sounds like my schedule might be changing soon to Wednesdays off instead of Monday. So hopefully I'll be here more. Cheers. Cheers to you. Uh, then we got some membership chats. Uh, Tech Geek, also been following you nerds for a while now, I guess. Uh, John Jay says, could be longer, just saying, at 18 months. Michael says, I can do the under at five months. And Skull coming in for the... Yeah, yeah I was holding out for five years, but I guess I'll do a 53. <laughs> uh uh, Tech Guy also sends over $10. Thank you very much. Thanks. Uh, first, thanks for the great content. Second, I acquired a Precision T5810 to use for GNS3 Labs. Uh, Ambo, <laughs> what do you want? <laughs> Rambo's stuck in my room. I'll have to let him out in a minute. Uh, it only has an E51630V3 uh with eight threads would love more threads to recommend the good one uh luckily the 1600 series is also compatible with the 2600 series v3 um and so any cpu in the e5 2600 v3 and most likely v4 family although check your bios on the t5810 to verify that uh will work in that system. And with Dell, I can't imagine them not supporting V4, but make sure you update the BIOS before upgrading to a V4 chip. Uh, that being said, for about $100, um, something like the uh, 2687W V4, that's a workstation-based uh, CPU that will drop into there. It's a 3.3 gigahertz 12-core chip with a... I think a four gigahertz turbo, if not a 3.8, somewhere right in there. It's the perfect balance of single performance or single threaded speed and multi-threaded performance. Um, if you need just multi-threaded, there's CPUs like the 2697v4. Uh, that is an 18 core chip. Uh, there's also the 2699, which gets you a 22-core chip, although that one seems to be still fairly overpriced since it's the top of the line for that platform. Um, but yeah, 2697v4 or 2687wv4 would be my recommendations there. Uh, you can also do v3s, although they're not quite as efficient. Uh, they're still 22 nanometer instead of... or yeah, 22 instead of 14 nanometer. And uh, you really lose out on some of those energy efficiency bonuses of the smaller FinFET uh, Haswell chips. So go V4 if you can. Uh, yeah. 2670. Uh, yeah, it, it, it would have to be a V3 or higher. But yeah, 2670, although 2670, it's like a 2.2 two gigahertz chip go for the higher end ones go go for the the workstation or 90 and above go for the 2687w or the 90 and up 
Alright, cool. Well, I think that brings us current on the Super Chats, but we still have bills to pay, which is why today's video of talk... Today's episode of Talking Heads is brought to you by Linode. Hosting your own servers also means you get to host all your own problems. And even the most skilled network engineer will tell you you should decentralize your network. So why not host your services with Linode? If it runs on Linux, it'll run on Linode. That includes software from most of the tutorials you've seen on my channel, like how to run your own ad-blocking recursive DNS servers, VPN gateways, your own cloud-based Plex servers, and more. They offer shared CPU plans for as little as $5 per month and can scale as high as your needs go, whether it be virtualized hosting, dedicated enterprise GPUs, NVMe block storage, and more. Even if you do host your own servers, you can use Linode to keep a backup off-site. Because remember, RAID is not a backup. Linode is also expanding at light speed, with 12 new global data centers planned before the end of 2023. Visit linode.com slash craftcomputing to get a $100 60-day credit just for signing up for a new account. That's linode.com slash craftcomputing, and again, a huge thanks to Linode for sponsoring today's video. No rhyme? No, no, nothing to say? You told me to stop. I did. John did it last week, and Steve did it a couple weeks ago, too. <laughs> Thanks, Linode. I am going to break the streak. Mm. Nothing? Nothing? God. Now here it's I taking am taking a lot out of me. To, to yeah. <laughs> it's taking a lot out of me. It really is. Yep. Uh, 2683v4 is about $30 on eBay. Let me look that one up real quick. Not familiar with the 2683. Uh, $50, 16-core, only 2.1 gigahertz, though. It gets you a lot of threads, but super low performance um, uh, on a single-threaded basis. Uh, looking about... 43 to 50 bucks uh pretty readily available um the the problem with 2.1 gigahertz on haswell is it is laughably slow and does get passed by a lot of chips even in the multi-threaded facet when you think of like some higher clocked 12 core chips there's some mental math you gotta do when you're figuring out how many simultaneous threads versus how fast do I need each thread to go, and is one better to have than the other in a certain quantity. Uh, so, yeah, 2.1 gigahertz I tend to shy away from for anything other than fairly basic services. Active Directory, web servers, file hosting, things like that. Although even file hosting, if you're expecting 10 gig connections, uh, you're going to need something in the three gigahertz range or higher. So yeah, not a terrible option, but I, I, I feel there's better ones out there. All right. Uh, now we can talk about AMD. Good. Okay. I think that guy's long gone. Uh, Guy, if you're still here, Sound off in the chat. Otherwise, yeah. If you held around this long, I told you it was a slow burn. You asked that question thirty minutes ago. Are you guys going to talk about tech? We just spent thirty minutes talking about tech. It was Apple, but that doesn't count. Mm -hmm. 
And to be fair, the Apple story was first in my line and then the AMD story because I wanted to put AMD next to Intel because Intel was third in my line. So there you go. Zen 5 has a huge leak which reveals as much as 22 to 30% IPC improvements versus Zen 4. Uh, this includes much bigger L1, a unified L2, and possibly shared L4 cache for APUs, which would also give a huge boost to integrated and and uh, and uh, APU graphics uh, performance. Uh, this is a pretty big deal. Um, uh, said to still support up to eight cores per CCX, so we're not going to see a you know, a 24 or a 32 core consumer chip at this point. Uh, but eight cores per, C per CCX still gets you, <coughs> excuse me, still gets you 16 cores. So something like the 7950X or 5950X. Um, but the unified L2 cache is definitely something to keep an eye on. Uh, that may bring similar performance improvements to their... Uh, 3D stacked cache of their 5800X and uh, 7800X CPUs. Uh, that has been a huge boost to game performance in particular, is having uh, more lower latency, readily available cache. Having a shared cache uh, at layer two between the two CPU CCXs would lower latency even further. Uh, it, even over their 3D, uh, their 3D stacked uh, caches. So definitely something to keep an eye on if you are gunning for bleeding edge performance in a lot of games. Um, so yeah, it very, very interesting stuff. Uh, and do I think they can hit it? In years past, I've said no. I've said, like, I'm hesitant to, to think of the day that AMD stops hitting these, you know, 16, 18, 20% IPC improvements generation over generation. But now I'm waiting for them to prove me wrong and, and just keep going because that's been the story of, you know, from Zen Plus onwards. It's been like Zen Plus was 10% and that was like, yeah, I guess that's about right. Zen 2 was like 15%, and then they did 18, 18, and 20 or something like that from Zen 3, 4, and 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 uh and whatnot. It's crazy the the progress that they've been making, especially in the single threaded realm. Uh 22%? Sure, why isn't it on the table? 30%? I'm dubious, but depending on the task, maybe. Who knows? It'd be one of the largest leaps in CPU history. <laughs> uh, but yeah, 30%. Uh, according to Notebook Check and then secondary source, according to the linker, to the leaker, uh, they maintain that Zen 5 still has eight core CCXs because of alleged scaling issues. So they're not going to 12 core or even 10 core CCX units yet. Uh, but we are looking at potentially up to 32 Zen cores, uh, Zen 4 cores, courtesy of four CCXs on the flagship uh, Ryzen 9 8000 SKUs. 
Um, so another interesting little tidbit there is we might be putting more CCXs onto Ryzen 8000 SKUs, uh, which is in contrast to what I just said at 16 core max. So who knows? Maybe more, maybe smaller packages at five nanometer do have their advantages and you can fit all of them on the same die. But, uh, yeah, uh, layer four cache will, uh, will only for, be for their APU segment. And, uh, I, I will say the early reviews of some of the mobile 7,000 chips have lagged a bit behind Intel's, uh, XE cores on a watt by watt basis. And so if you're looking for, you know, those high-end handhelds, you know, Steam Deck, One X Player, Aya Neo, um, GPD, uh, AMD's been kind of the, the one to go with up until 6000 series with the, the newly released 6800U mobile CPUs and some early reviews of like the 7925U for AMD have been a little lackluster, uh, unless they have that full 680M uh, mobile APU on board. So, yeah, uh, time will tell on those ones. Uh, Intel also has a little bit of a leak. Uh, in their next generation of desktop processors. This is their 14th generation desktop. Uh, this is Meteor Lake. And they're boasting 50% uh, improvements to efficiency, although they make no claims of performance gains. So it'll be interesting to see if they come out at a watt-per-watt watt equivalent or if they are still able to eke more performance out of their chips, but at a lower wattage than they're drawing now. Uh, the one thing that's really interesting is the 50% increase, or sorry, 100% increase to iGPU speeds, uh, thanks to Intel Arc and, and their work in the XE uh, departments. Uh, Meteor Lake will feature 128 execution units running at 2 gigahertz compared to the 96 execution units found inside Raptor Lake. Um, and those Iris and Iris XE uh, on 14th gen will be based on uh, the Intel 4 process, which is Intel 7, 7 nanometer because they have to have lower numbers than the competition. Uh, and TSMC 5 nanometer process for the GPU tile. And so they are outsourcing their uh, GPU construction to TSMC at 5 nanometer and keeping their four, their Intel 4 7 nanometer fab in-house. There you go. <laughs> Nailed it. I try. Uh, it is kind of interesting um, what Intel is doing on the mobile side of things because this 
This does kind of stem back to their cooperation with AMD a couple of years ago on the uh, very short-lived Vega partnership. Uh, so Intel had a Skull Canyon, uh, Skull Canyon Nooks. They were uh, the Intel i7-8809G, and I think there were two or three other models uh, along with that. That was an Intel CPU with an AMD GPU and HBM2 memory on the die. Uh, and it was a shared die. And then you had Intel's wafer and AMD's wafer, but on the same BGA package. Um, and it was gnarly. And I love it. And I've been waiting for AMD to produce something even close to that performance level. Because that had 24 compute units. And if you're talking about Vega days, they gave us 8 and 11 on the desktop side of things for APUs. And I think 9 is or 10 is where they maxed out on mobile chips. And until recently, 10 has been kind of the max for that as well. Uh, until the 680M in the Ryzen 6800U and a couple other CPUs that they have out there. Uh, they're giving us 12 compute units of graphics horsepower on die. Give us 20. Like, throw down. Make it work. Give us an APU with some actual chutzpah. Like, I'm, I'm tired of this, this BS that AMD has been throwing out there, especially now that Intel is going, you know what, we're just going to do it ourselves. And... <laughs> make our own GPU with blackjack and hookers and uh. better graphics on board than you could supply us with. Um, it's frustrating because there is a market for extremely dense, high-power graphics with adequate CPU. Um, there's no reason in a lot of... You know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at specifically like mobile handhelds, mobile gaming consoles right now, you know, your Steam Deck, your One X player. Um, of You're topping out at 12 compute units of graphics horsepower. Man, if you took away two of my processor cores and gave me a six core 12 threaded processor instead of a Zen 3 eight core 16 thread, which honestly at 720p, we don't need, um, and gave me... 20 compute units of RDNA 2 or 24 compute units of RDNA 2, this thing would be a giant killer. Like, this could be a replacement to some people's desktop chips as far as power. Like, if you want, like, a 1080p powered gaming rig, but in a handheld form factor, like, it could totally do that if you would make that happen. And they yeah. haven't made it happen. And here's Intel going... We'll do it ourselves. Cool. <laughs> the mysteries of big business. You know? Yeah. What are they thinking? You get me in the room with Lisa Sue. I will ask her that question. Make it happen. I'm going to ask Ian that question. <laughs> I'm going to see what... what... <laughs> Tell you what, when you're wrapping up your next interview... I want you to slip one final question in. What the crap with your mobile GPUs? Yeah. It's worth knowing. Gotta know. Yep. I'd like to know. All right. 
Look at that. Seven o'clock on the nose, and I finished my, my first beer. Wow. I Are you into I your third? Like, oh. Yeah, my fourth, actually. Oh. <laughs> it's the beauty of identical cans is nobody knows. Yeah. Um, no, I haven't been able to finish this one, actually. But, you know, I do have this beautiful water bottle here. Oh, yeah. With Ugh. the flex coming in. Mm. Ah, tastes like water. Can't cannibalize those 6400 XT sales. I don't think the people buying 6400 XTs and people buying 1X players are the same market. I just don't think they are. People wanting entry-level desktops at like $450, $500 all in are not buying $1,000 handhelds. Um, I, I don't think it will... Well, Rhett, Rhett's going to miss my introduction of my next beer, and I think that's okay. Uh, so I'm having one from Freem. That's P-F-R-I-E-M. Uh, they are in Hood River, Oregon. This is the Freem Barrel Aged. Specifically, it is their Freem Bourbon Barrel Aged Stout. Uh they don't make very many of these. This is their 2022 edition. Uh, it is clocking in at 11%. Uh, Imperial uh, Bourbon Barrel Imperial Stout from Freem was invented for Tsar Peter, the Great Freem's barrel-aged version. Uh, soaks for almost an entire year for roasted malt and cherry notes to make you feel like a monarch yourself. So... We've got that. Uh, any progress? Yes. Yes. I apologize. Um, I, I don't have any excuses at this point other than I just haven't sent out invoices. I, I have the boxes for all of the water bottles to ship out right behind me. For a while, that was kind of the hang-up. We were trying to find the right shipping material so we wouldn't have to spend a fortune on UPS or whoever else shipping, let alone internationally. Um, I think we have everything worked out now. I have boxes to ship. I have quotes. I have, I just need to send invoices out and start getting these things cut. And so, yes. Yes. Uh, if Rhett were here, I would tell Rhett to, uh, do me a favor and remind me on Monday, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna reach out. Skull. If I don't send you an invoice by Monday, light me up, okay? Not a terribly thick stout. Ah, <sighs> sorry about that. That's okay. So this is Freem's Bourbon Barrel Age Stout. Not a terribly thick stout. I don't know if you just saw me pour in that. Smells amazing. Looks amazing. Skull says, I captain. Okay, so if invoices don't go out Monday for said water bottles, it's Skull's fault. <laughs> I do get uh, regularly pinged about that in the Discord. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, including just now. So... <laughs> 
Yeah, Jeremy says he's been pinging you once a week. <laughs> yep, yep. And I usually say things like, don't worry. They're coming out soon. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Emily says, it would be one GPD to rule them. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Ugh. Stop flexing on my patrons, damn it. Wow, it tastes so good. Yeah. Now, do I wait until 2359 PST to count as a miss? Um, 9 p.m. PST. So 2100 PST. If you hit uh, 2059 PST, you send it out. Friend asks how much for Australian shipping, and uh, that has been an obstacle that we've been sorting out. Well, Kren's the one who's helping us solve that. So yeah, yeah. So all of our Australian uh, patrons who ordered water bottles, make sure you uh, thank Kren for uh, helping us coordinate that. Yes. Uh, Bacon Bandit sends over five uh, five pounds. I, I I just lost a bunch of pounds. I don't want them back. What do you? Uh, five dollars to rep for that light level switch behind him. Or or five dollars to rep to level that light switch behind him. It's it's masonry and an old house. Like like how much do you want here? Look, bacon. I'll do my best next time. But that that ain't staying there. It it wants to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, ain't, it ain't happening right now but yeah it's definitely like i i'm not convinced the screws are actually in anything <laughs> or they might have been wallered out a long time ago duct tape it there, there's an idea there's an idea yeah uh yeah Look, you paid for it bacon um, bandit i'll make sure you get actually it. do you know how to fix that the the jerry rig way okay hot glue oh there you go your screw holes are likely a little stripped out so they don't want to hold quite concentric and center mm -hmm. if you fill the screw holes with hot glue and then thread your screws in it will create new threads and it will lock it in place it mm. it doesn't have to be as strong as a new installation it just has to be good enough to hold it because you're not gonna you're not gonna be pulling on the the panel trying to get it off you need just enough friction to keep it from yeah. falling like you're it's only fighting gravity here what's Hot the glue. uh what what what's the temperature variability of that uh oh you need to get well over uh i think hot glue is like 250 275 because it is it is a fireplace so Ooh, yeah. Okay. So it might be far enough out. Like this is like the thick side. Oh yeah. No, if if you're on the outside of yeah, you're gonna be fine. <laughs> you're gonna be fine. But it does it does sometimes get warm to the touch. Warm to the touch. If you can still touch it, you're 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 fine. Well, I don't know. You know, the screws are inside. You know. Yeah. Look, this is why I'm asking. 
Yeah, it's not like the light switch is above the fire. You can get high temperature hot glue, hot melt, um, which has a much higher melting temperature if you're worried about that. They they make like 400 degree hot melt, which is amazing. I love that stuff. Nice. Yeah, I do like the idea of double-sided tape too. That seems pretty good. But I like the, uh, maybe I'll give that uh, hot glue a... Yeah. Uh, Also works for uh, uh, door jams. If you have a stripped... uh, a uh, screw on a on a hinge on a door jam, you can fix that hole with hot glue. Oh, interesting. The more is that you gonna know. be enough? Is that gonna be good enough though for a door jam? One out of three screws on a single hinge, two screws per door. If you'd only need to hold one, you can stop okay. the door from shifting. All right. And then it hardens into basically a rubber, and as long as it's filling the voids. It's not going to compress. So do you fill the hole with hot glue and then let it cool and then like go into it? Or do you... Depending do on how the... open your hole is, uh, on how much wiggle room you have, um, you can fill it with hot glue, let it harden, re-drill it, and then put a screw into it. And and yeah, that would work just fine. Um, there, There's the other school of thought of putting it in there and then putting the screw in while it's still liquid hardening and uh and then you'll fix the screw into place as well um so yeah i've I've done it both ways interesting good to know okay well guys what have i started yeah if you have a screw or two loose hot glue will fix it uh toothpicks and white glue that's another good one or toothpicks and wood glue um, basically if you, uh, take some toothpicks and, and so this is more for like, if you have a screw that's falling out of a wall, um, or, or even your, your door jam still, uh, take some toothpicks and some wood glue and jam them into the hole and let them set and then shave the toothpicks off and then redrill your hole. Interesting. The, the wood glue and the toothpicks will rebind to the wood in the wall and, will get you enough bite to get some threads into it. It's a good idea. I've been a homeowner for a while now. <laughs> Ironically enough, little... I had two doors in my last house with hinges that were falling off that I never fixed and sold the house that way. <laughs> <laughs> we moved in. We were first time home buyers in 2010. And we moved in and we painted most of the house and put new floor in and uh, and whatnot. And then when it came to some of the other stuff, like I had a balcony and uh, and when we moved in, I went, some of these boards are a little loose. Like then and there's one that's dry around. We should probably replace the boards on the balcony. Never touched it. Uh, at one point, I wanted to do something on out there, and so I put a piece of plywood up over the top of the deck just so it would distribute my load and have less of a chance of me falling through it. Uh, but yeah, nine years later, I sold the house after knowing for nine years that I needed to replace that balcony. So. Well, there you go. When you move into a house, do the things that you want to do first. Like, yeah. get it done. It's true. This light switch has been crooked since I've moved in. Mm-hmm. So, and but because Bacon paid for it, I, I'm gonna have to fix this. So <laughs> he gave us five pounds. So 
That'll buy you basically a hot glue gun and, and a and a set of five sticks. Perfect. So there you go. This uh, could be a... You know, if this was last, if this was two years ago, I'd say uh, because of the the five the five pound donation, I'll I'll leave a tenner on the on the keyboard for you. But seeing as how we've kind of equalized, I'll give you like five dollars <laughs> and four cents. <laughs> yeah. Kind of sad. I know. I I often you know buy music on Bandcamp, and the other day I I saw that uh, I was buying something and it, they wanted six pounds for it. And I mistakenly typed something in and it was like, oh, no, wait, the dollar and the pound are all it was like they're almost a few equal. cents off. They, they, it was... they've, they've been one A, one B for a yeah. while. Um, uh, also, rubber bands work. Rubber bands don't work as well. Rubber bands are more of a temporary fix because they they are much more elastic uh than hot glue or toothpicks and so they do break down over time uh it'll cinch something down in a pinch but i uh, i hesitate to say that i would trust hot glue for a permanent fix over rubber pants uh if if there's any roadkill fans in the house um I am probably the second to David Freiberger for zip tie engineering. Uh, like I'm really, really good at it. Uh, I mean, he's got his zip tie moments. It's only because I don't work on cars for a living that I'm I'm second fiddle. But when it comes to like, uh, I can make this tool work for this. I I will put my wits to his. So. Uh. Everybody's talking about my holes. Yep. Uh, what's really funny is John Jay's comment was actually filtered, and I had to allow it. <laughs> <laughs> I love thing you got to that, it, but it misses the porn bots. <laughs> yeah, I know. Ah, <laughs> uh. zip tying heat sinks to motherboards in two thousand eight. Whoa, whoa, whoa! I didn't say I was Linus. There's there's a method to my madness. How else are you going to make sure that they're getting all the heat? Well, the zip time method works really well for the Intel heat sinks that had the two little clips and the pin that went through the center of them to expand them on the board. It held decent enough tension, uh, but those clips would often break if you didn't have them set in just right. Uh, and so in cases like that, for a lot of 775 uh, CPU coolers and even early uh, 1155 or 115X uh, based coolers, uh, zip ties were a viable method. <laughs> I don't necessarily recommend it, but I also can't discredit it. Friend uh, says, Kraft, did I show you the inspection poll I made to check on bees moving in? No, but I'm intrigued. Uh, voice chat links hit me up in the uh, the after party. Uh, ASMR hole filling channel. 
I, I can't and some of this I can't even tell if I'm being made fun of, you know, or if like there's a, the jokes are going over my head because uh, somebody was like, speaking of zip ties, just shove them in the hole and screw away. And I'm like, actually, that is a that is a thing, too. Um, And it's not a bad I I I don't think I've ever used a zip tie to repair threads on like a door jam or a hinge or anything like that. But I I know of it as a method. Uh, it's usually not the first one that I'll go with. I usually try to get something that would, will at least bond to one surface or the other. And so I really like hot glue, especially the high temp hot glue, because it sets really, really hard and there's no chance it's going to melt in that environment. So whereas the zip tie, you got to break it off when you're done. Is is this a countersunk screw? Is there going to be a little plastic thing hanging out when I'm done? Did I just... There's too many questions with zip ties uh, in that application. And at that point, is a zip tie any better than a toothpick in the hole to to give you something ex extra to bite on? I don't I don't know. I don't think so. Like, I'll take my chances with a toothpick. All sounds made up. Tech Geek sends over $10. F heat sinks. Uh, F Intel heat sinks. All my homies ha hate Intel heat sinks. Uh, did you hate them before they took away the copper slug? Because actually, some of the OG Intel heat sinks were pretty baller. Um, especially if you got one of the uh, 1366 Intel stock heat sinks. Uh, those are the ones that came with, uh, first generation Intel i7 920s, so your X58 and a Halem. Uh, those were actually pretty decent. <laughs> and Intel has made some okay ones over the years, it's just they started cheaping out like no one's business on heat sinks that had no business being packaged with CPUs, like, uh... 7600K with literally an aluminum finned heatsink about this thick. Like, at least give me some thermal mass to work with here, Intel. But it's a 65 watt CPU. Yeah, that turbos its way up to 135. Like, at least give me something that's reasonable. Nope. Uh, I zip tied a MIPS processor onto an SGI board. It didn't work. Uh, correction, F the clips on Intel heatsinks. See, that I can get behind, because that was always a terrible mounting mechanism. Let, let's let take... Uh, I'm trying to think of even what plastic they might have used. I don't think it was ABS, because ABS doesn't tend to be this flexible. Might have been hips. Might have, might have been uh, polystyrene or some kind of poly alloy, but um, basically they're using plastic clips with a plastic nub that stuck between them to expand them once they had gone through the hole. And so it's kind of like this squeeze down system to get through the hole and then they expand and then that's how they hold is you push the pins out enough so they bite onto the motherboard. It was always terrible. And if you needed 35 watts of cooling, yeah, that'll probably get you there. But it was the worst, worst design ever. All right. Speaking of AI, um, 
Sorry, trying to transition. It didn't have anything. Yeah, so uh, surprisingly, we haven't been talking about AI. Right. <laughs> um, so Microsoft announced this week that Bing is now going to be powered by ChatGPT. Uh, Google's worst nightmare may have just come true. Yeah. Because for reference, Google's old motto was don't be evil. That was their that was literally their internal business model was don't be evil, which they have since removed. OK, um, but Google is a company that prides themselves on literally knowing your every move, every want, every need, every desire before you do and advertising you things to entice you to buy. That's their entire business. That's what Google does. Um, the one thing that could threaten Google as far as a search engine goes is probably natural language tech to decipher, I'm just going to say it, boomer questions <laughs> into actual legible answers on the internet. <laughs> uh... So throwing ChatGPT at to the default Windows browser is probably not a bad business move. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I, for one, have never used Bing, even on accident. Very keen about that. Yep. Uh, definitely a pro Google searcher. And anybody, you know people our age you, you've you've learned to finesse google to suss out what you want what you're looking for right it's like sometimes you don't even have to remember web pages if you just remember your search you know and i just and, need to uh, remember my query and google will remember that i searched for something similar earlier and go like no right. no, no here's the website you want bro right and uh but you know with uh the recent interest in AI, especially like following our, our two videos, like, you know, I've been toying around with chat GPT since it launched in November, but I thought, you know, I'll, I'll see people are talking about it. Like it's gotten so much better and it really has. Well, today, you know, I was working on writing a script and instead of Googling things, I just had chat GPT open and was asking it the questions. Uh, you know, I was, Instead of doing search queries in Google, I would just ask cheap, uh, chat GPT and it like, you know, you have, you have to be aware that sometimes it spits out some wrong stuff, obviously. Um, but I was kind of shocked at how easy it was. Um, and so you factor that in with Bing. Um, and I think you have a winning combination. Uh, is it going to be enough to get me to finally use bang right i don't know is, bang is was this pretty an bad. a plus b equals c solution or is this an a plus x equals unicorn uh right. and, and that's really the and the the question that we need to be asking looking at the future of web searching uh because microsoft is trying to compete with google in the search department um and Google has it down to a T. Like, there's a reason there has been no competitor in the search market for, dare I say, 15 years. Like, and there's a reason Google it is a verb. 
Yeah. Recognized by the Merriam <laughs> Dictionary. Uh, uh, Google is a verb for a reason. It's because you Google something. It's because yeah. I need to know more about a subject. So I Google it. Um, you don't Yahoo it. You don't Alta Vista. You certainly don't ask Jeeves. Uh, but. I'm offended at the way that you said Yahoo, by the way. You know who you are. <laughs> um personally I'm an Alta Vista guy. Like 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 back in the day, like Alta Vista was my go-to. Yeah. Uh Yeah. <laughs> you have nothing more to add? <laughs> Um, no, I've basically just been using Google the whole time, so. Are you freaking ask.com? Uh, no, I did do ask.com a little bit. Uh, but yeah, mostly like since I became uh, of an age to reliably use the computer on my own, uh, you know, Charlie? Google wasn't quite uh, ubiquitous at that time, but. Ah. Oh, kitty. Kitty. Cat tax. Cat tax. This is Charlie. If you didn't see him in my latest video, say hi, Charlie. Oh, and him and Rambo are best friends now. For now. No, they, uh, after you left, Rat, they cuddled up next to each other on the couch and slept together. My, my absence just left a gaping hole in their hearts. Yeah. They had to fill it. Had to fill it with each other. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, this is Charlie. Rambo's over in my other chair. But yeah, no, for the entire, almost the entire show, they've been sleeping on the couch right next to each other. And in fact, uh, Rambo just jumped up. Uh, they were legit playing with each other too earlier today. And and I'm not just saying like Charlie trying to be playful kitten and Rambo going shut up. Uh, it was it was very much a back and forth affair where Charlie would chase Rambo and Rambo would chase Charlie. And it was great. Um, so. I'm going to hit show on that comment just because. Uh, I was leaving that uh, powers higher than me to determine. He used it in context. Like that's that's always been my requirement for swearing in my house. Um uh that that was my parents' requirement too, is is if I ever said a swear word, did I use it properly? Okay then. <laughs> Never forget well, I was... there are some some swear words that are uh, a lot easier to use properly due to their uh versatility and uh, usefulness, you know. Um, I'll never forget. I was uh, helping my dad replace an awning over his patio, and I was up on a ladder, and I was probably seventeen, and uh, never really had much of a dirty mouth at that age. Uh, I swear, like a sailor anymore to anyone who knows me, uh, but but kept it fairly clean cut, you know age 17 and uh i remember the ladder started to slide on me and and now <laughs> my dad's patio was almost four foot above ground 
And then the awning sat almost nine feet above that. So I'm 13, 14, 15 feet in the air. And the ladder, one of the legs gives, and I shift about two feet laterally. And and then it catches, and I and I catch the awning, and I and I said, oh, and and just yelled it. And once my dad realized I was okay, he goes, What did you say? And I said, I said, Oh, you got a problem with that? He goes, Nope. <laughs> that was always the rule. If you can use it in context, it's okay to say. Yeah, I think falling off a ladder is. I think falling off a ladder gives me a pass. <laughs> yeah, see, that's just the beauty of of swear words in general. You know, they're just so useful. I know. To which I said, can... "You want to get the up here and do this?" <laughs> I'm going to take this ladder and I'm going to shove it. <laughs> I notice I'm the one on the ladder. Therefore, I make the rules. <laughs> uh, yep. Uh, so, yeah, Google. Uh, Microsoft's coming for you. Yeah. And, well, and, if and I will say, Google doesn't have much to retort with as they recently went live with an AI chatbot and things didn't go quite as swimmingly. Yep. So uh, Google's AI chatbot, Bard, which I I do like as a name, I, I, I have to say, if you're going to make a tool set to encourage creativity... I think Bard is the best name you could ever give it. I did like Bard. I, oh, it's just so good. But anyway, uh, so on Monday, Google announced that it was opening up Bard to user comments or at user queries and, and interaction. And it literally started off by stating a patently not true. Well, and this was like a demonstration. They were like, check out our new AI chatbot. Right. And and they sent this out to the world. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was, uh, they had it. the question, uh, what new discoveries from the James Webb Space Telescope can I tell my nine-year-old about? Uh -huh. And it offered three bullet points in return, including one that states that the telescope, quote, took the very first pictures of a planet outside of our solar system. Yeah. And of course, space nerds the world over uh, were like, uh, actually, that happened in 2004. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I was using adaptive optics, and I believe that was also a planet-side telescope. Yeah. It, it wasn't even an orbital scope. Right. That was one and... of the, like, Hawaii or South Africa-like ones. Like, no light pollution. We got it perfect. Um, so, yeah, here's the... Uh, Bard is an experimental conversational AI uh, powered by uh, LAD, LAMDA, which sounds like a drug that is next on Congress's hit list. Uh, built <laughs> using our large language models and drawing on information from the web. Um, 
let me see if I can pause it at the right point here. What new discoveries from the James Webb Telescope can I tell my nine-year-old? In 2020-23, James Webb Telescope spotted a number of galaxies nicknamed the Green Peas. They were given this, this name because they are small, round, green, and like peas. Uh, JWST further down also took the very first picture of a telescope out or of a planet a telescope would be even more impressive very first picture of a planet outside our own solar system these distant worlds are called exoplanets exo means from outside yeah uh which is patently not true (laughs) yeah it's uh, the article uh here from jeff's favorite the verge um goes on to kind of talk about that while these tools these chatbot tools are really uh easy to use they have a low barrier of entry that <laughs> probably the single biggest problem worse so than typical search engine queries is that they confidently say incorrect information. they they and- state without shadow of a doubt that something is true this yeah. actually reminds me of this is gonna date me um a disney channel original movie and i don't even remember the name of the movie but it was a movie in which a guy was like struck by lightning while surfing the internet and had the entire internet downloaded into his brain nice okay everyone with me so far okay good it's like lawnmower man but less complicated um and uh his biggest adversary was this 12-year-old genius who was in college. And the 12-year-old's like, well, he didn't earn it. Because, of course, the 12-year-old at Harvard would be, you know, would have a chip on his shoulder about, you know, earning your rightful place and whatnot. Well, they were doing a game show, because, of course, they were. And someone asked him a question about when the first blah, 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 blah happened. And he goes, that was in 1969. And, and, uh, of course, the announcer, who I'm pretty sure was like Mark Summers, goes like, no, that's incorrect. It was 1869. 1869 is the correct answer. And the little 12-year-old genius little freaking bastard over in the corner goes like, no, there was a website that I read one time that said the answer was 1969. So obviously he has the entire internet downloaded into his brain and he's just confidently reproducing the answers at... And now we have ChatGPT. Yeah. What's funny is just for lols, I asked ChatGPT just now, I said... Uh, what is the name of the Disney original movie which had its main character struck by lightning, thus instigating a download of the entire internet into his brain? And it said, the movie that you're probably thinking of is Tron Legacy, which is not what you Totally described. not right. <laughs> However, you know, it's not like it told me that's what the movie was. It said, you're probably thinking of this. Um, earlier today, too, I... Uh, for some reason, I wanted to know how many of the presidents of the United States uh, were Sagittarius's uh, because I incorrectly got it in my head that Biden was a Sagittarius because he was born on November 20th. Uh, but that actually makes him a Scorpio. Anyway, I asked ChatGPT this and it listed off all these presidents as being Sagittarius's while also giving me their birth dates that were not. 
and it defined it's, it's like Sagittarius is born between you know November twenty second and December whatever twenty second or whatever, and um, then it listed all these presidents which were not born those times, and I was like, hey, what the heck? According to your own information, these presidents were not born then. Oh yes, my mistake. <laughs> you know. Uh, so it's kind of funny how that works out, but if you're prone to misinformation and not critically analyzing what's in front of you, which is already a, a sort of necessary skill when you're searching the web, uh, it might become a little bit more difficult when you can ask these chatbots, these things, and then they just give you the answer and it's not even paired with or presented next to other conflicting information. It just gives you misinformation it's kind of interesting how it happens and uh um yeah so keep an eye out for that now i'm searching like mad for this i'll refine my search ah i see if you're thinking of a Disney Channel original movie, perhaps you're thinking of Kim Possible, So the Drama. Ah, interesting. Kim Possible, So the Drama. In this movie, the character of Ron Stoppable is hit by a bolt of lightning while using a device that downloads the internet into his brain. The device temporarily gives Ron enhanced intelligence, which he uses to help Kim Possible on a mission to stop Dr. Draken and his evil plans. Is that it? Is no, it a Kim Possible it's movie? It's not Jeff? a Kim Possible movie. Are you sure? Uh let's see. There was Johnny Tsunami, there was Brink, there was Genius. Uh you lucky dog, punk, sky high. Town. It wasn't sky high. I, I, I told it, I said, no, it's not Kim Possible. In it, the kid goes to college. Okay, maybe you're thinking of sky high. The character is not hit by lightning and does not download the internet into his brain, but he does go to a high school for young superheroes. Say <laughs> <laughs> la vie. Ah, uh, that's amazing. Um, yeah, there's Xenon, Girl of the 21st Century. There's Smart House, which was actually kind of a similar plot of a house coming to life with an AI presence who wanted to bone their dad. Um, yeah, 90s Disney original movies were not all fairy dust and princesses. Um... Now, was it a Disney Channel original movie or was it I'm a Disney? I'm positive it was Disney. But a Disney Channel. Disney movie. Channel original movie. Like Brink. And yeah, it was, it was one of those on TV, on Channel yeah. 24. Dude, some of those go hard, though. Like they Brink, really do. That movie still holds Johnny up. Johnny Tsunami? I loved that oh, movie. Oh, I do like Johnny Tsunami. It too. was a good one. It really was. Um, this guy, uh, Drake, in the chat says uh, that it is the computer wore tennis shoes 
The computer wore tennis shoes. 1995. The computer wore tennis shoes. Is a Disney film released in 1969. It's, it's not that. I mean, God bless Kurt Russell. Freaking American <laughs> hero. But it well, is... he, I, I was sent a picture. Oh, starring Kurt Cameron. I don't know. Look at the chat. It that might looks... have been Kurt Cameron. Look, look, look in chat, dude. It's there. You were tagged in it. Where's why am my camera not focusing? I'll hide behind here. There we go. Did that work? That's got to be it, dude. It might. Was it Kirk Cameron? It might have been Kirk Cameron. Good God. Sorry, Kirk Cameron, for saying good God. Um, absorbs the information of a computer. Made for television Disney movie, The Computer Wore Tennis Shoes. It is a remake of the 1969 film with okay. a similar plot. Uh, Kirk Cameron is Dexter Riley, a college student who once again elects a computer with his brain. The computer gains the ability to solve complex problems and answer any question, leading to many exciting and hilarious situations as Dexter and his friends try to keep the computer out of the wrong hands. Uh, the film is a lighthearted comedy. Yeah, anyway, I, I this is as close as we're going to get. You were right that it's Disney, but it was made for ABC. Okay, and that could be. I'm looking for the little bratty kid who think of the the stereotypical dude the, the dude was totally typecast his whole life and i swear he played every 12 year old that went to college uh with coke bottle glasses and bleach blonde hair and i'm not seeing him in the credits here um but I will say, holy crap, does this cast slap? Uh, Kirk Cameron as Dexter Riley, Larry Miller as Dean Al Valentine, uh, Jason Bernard, Ann Tremco, and Jeff Garland, who you might know wow. from. Uh, uh, Gosh, he's been a, he was the the bad guy in Dumb and Dumber. I believe he was in Godfather. I believe he was in <laughs> Oh yeah. Yeah. Hmm, interesting. Um Well, that I feel like the computer yeah. with tennis shoes is about as close as we're going to get. I think that, that might be it. Uh, I I would need to go. It might be. And to be fair, it's been twenty ish years since I've seen the movie. But I remember that specific scene where they're like doing a game show trivia thing, <laughs> and I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure it was Larry Miller who was the 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 uh, Alex Trebek of that show. So that does make that does check out. Uh, Drake says in the uh, Talking Heads Discord, uh, the wife is yelling at the screen like most football bros yell at the screen <laughs> as we are. Oh, there you go. Look, look, go into the chat. He's showing you Norwood Gills. Norwood Gills. Uh, hold on. Hold on. Let me. I need to pull up the chat. And then, I, in fact, I'll probably yeah, share this. Why aren't you just on Discord? Come on. I know. Yeah. 
Shame on me. Uh, is it in voice chat links? Yeah, there we go. No, it's in talking heads. Talking heads? heads? Okay. Yes! That's the slimy little weasel. Let me let me pull it up here. See if I can Yeah, that that kid. The the typecast kid. What's hilarious is we're in the image results for this search query. Just throwing that out there. But this kid was like the child genius in every movie that required a child genius from 1989 to 2002. Norwood Gills. No, no, no. We're not in the search results. That's his mobile pop-up right. screen. Like, and he closed it to search, and we're just the floating bubble now right. on YouTube. Right. Yeah, I wish we were in the search results. That would have been epic. No, it, it said just... related content, and we're. I'm going to take me as a search result. No, look, because it's covering up the buttons. Give me this. Damn it. A little bit of Photoshop and you can have it. Just the cut wife out is the bottom part. doing like nothing I've ever seen before. <laughs> the wife right now. Vindication! I love it. <laughs> Dude, your wife nailed it. That's amazing. Yeah. We need somebody on standby who can talk to us about all of the made-for-TV Disney movies yeah. in the 90s. Because this is going to come up again. I, Especially the rise of AI. We're going to be talking about Smart House. I need to rewatch that that episode or that that movie because like i said it was a made for tv movie i know it was disney um kirk cameron does make sense now that i'm thinking about it and and i definitely remember larry miller being in there because he was one of my favorite stand-up comedians of all time if you've never seen the five levels of drinking go watch that after this show uh it's freaking epic uh, but Larry Miller plays every Disney principal from 1995 to 2020. Like, if you needed a high school principal, it's like, hi, I'm Larry Miller. Yeah, it's it's, it's how he made his money. Uh, but yeah, no movie will ever outdo Hackers 1996. You didn't need to put a year there. You could just say Hackers. It's okay. I know there was a Hackers 2 Operation Takedown, which had nothing to do with hackers other than the fact that, what's his name, uh, Mitnick was the main character. It had none of the original actors, none of the original plot, and uh, I want to say the second fiddle to, to uh, Kevin Mitnick in that movie was actually also a famous actor. Oh, we did it. That was fun. Operation Takedown, made in 2000. Does have Christopher McDonald, uh, Tom Berenger, Skeet Ulrich, Ul Ulrich played Kevin Mitnick. Uh, who was the other guy that I'm thinking of? Ah, it's going to drive me nuts. Ethan Suppley is in this movie. You might know him as the lesser half of My Name is Earl. Anyway. Nice. We're, well we're getting way down a rabbit hole here. Um. <laughs> Bard mistakenly said that the James Webb telescope first saw the first planet outside the solar system. That's not true. 
The reason you know that's not true is because it was posted on the internet. There we go. Uh, we got 12 minutes left. Do you think we got six stories in us? Um, I was thinking we could jump down to the entertainment news. I want to jump but... down to the entertainment news. Uh, so we'll, we'll give the, the beer news in real quick succession here. Uh, Bullet Whiskey and Stone Brewing announce a permanent partnership. Uh, this is kind of cool. Uh, I don't know what will come out of it, but a lot of the, I'm imagining a lot of barrel-aged beers that come out of stone will now be aged in billet rye, billet bourbon, and I don't know what billet's gonna, or bullet is gonna get out of this, um, other than maybe having some IPA, you know, things to age things in. Although, what do you age in IPA barrels? Nothing, because there's no IPA barrels. It's a giant plastic tub. Uh, so, very curious indeed. Uh, when we take on partnerships, it's with brands that value their fans and commit quality like we do. The experience of Stone and Bullet together at the table is special, and we hope enlightens a few new fans. I already liked Stone. I already liked Bullet. There's nothing more you can do to convince me to drink both. Yeah. Uh, Molson Coors offering uh, uh, back in the Super Bowl after a 33-year absence, partnering with DraftKings for a $500,000 commercial contest in which the winner will take all. Uh, did we miss Molson Coors in the Super Bowl? No. Did we miss DraftKings in the Super Bowl? You probably watched it last year, and it was probably a great reprieve from all the crypto commercials. Uh, Irish Central says Guinness becomes the best-selling beer in British pubs. Well, yeah, over here that's Goose Island IPA, or you know the any of your nationally distributed first first order of separation craft beers are going to be your your highest-selling beers in pubs it's just the way it works so yeah obviously guinness is probably the best-selling beer in british pubs i don't know that we needed an article to tell us that but speaking ireland of, is finally colonizing england <laughs> but speaking of ai see what i did there yeah well done. um there is a fan project right now to bring Full voice acting, and I'm going to put that in quotes, acting into Morrowind. Fully spoken lines for every single line of dialogue in Morrowind with yeah. the help of AI. Yeah. This is fairly intriguing and also uh, brings up kind of an issue that a lot of voice artists are taking lately of voice actors are being asked to give their likeness over to AI uh, to sign away their rights to voice a character uh, in favor of just like, yeah, we'll just have AI do it in like five years. Yeah, because that'll work perfectly, won't it, Marty? <laughs> yeah, I mean, James Earl Jones was like notably one of the first like big figures who uh, yeah. signed his voice over to Disney so they could keep doing Darth Vader without him. Um which is, you know, like an interesting uh, case in particular, just because it's so iconic. It's so right. tied to that character. 
Um, I don't know. I think I would have loved to see somebody else had a chance at it. Um, and we, who knows if we will now, but it's kind of it. You can't really separate uh, Darth Vader from his iconic from James voice. Earl Jones, right? Yeah. That one's a tricky one. Um, and seeing as Disney is Disney, obviously they're, uh, they're going to capitalize on Darth Vader well into the future. There's so many stories you can tell with them. There's so many more things you could do with them. We've seen Darth Vader appear in a couple of different iterations of the character sans James Earl Jones. Um, but it does open up some conversation of voice actors being replaced with AI. And and I know I dealt with this criticism last week with an op-ed that I posted to Craft Computing, which it's the first op-ed I've ever done, and it proves why I wanted to stay out of a lot of controversies, is AI and its role in art generation as of late. Mm -hmm. and, and you can put this into so many different platforms as far as... AI art generation is equivalent to deepfakes, is equivalent to AI voice, is equivalent to chat GPT. Um, and where does the madness end? We're all going to be out of work. We said that when Photoshop started being a thing on the computer and that photographers were no longer going to be called upon. However, photographers are at a, honestly, a highest level of work since ever since there's more people and there's more things happening. And yeah. even then you get into, you know, art photographers, landscape, portrait photographers, etc. There, there's a calling there. You're not being replaced anytime soon. We still need to take pictures of things that are happening. Uh, and uh, they obviously haven't been replaced by Photoshop. We didn't stop taking new pictures because we could edit old pictures together. I don't yeah. think the same thing's going to happen with AI art image generation. I think it's just another tool in the tool bag of an aspiring artist. I'm not an artist, but I do sometimes have visions of things that I want to come together. And sure, the traditional way for me to generate that art would have been to either one, learn how to do it myself and then generate it. Or number two, contract that out and have someone else generate my image of my art for me. Um, versus now, I can give very specific prompts to an AI and at least get close. And maybe get close enough that my skill inside of Photoshop can get me the rest of the way there. And that's my interest in AI art, is... Me, as someone who has not put in all of the time, being able to do projects myself rather than only relying on external artists. Because as a maker, as a creator, as an artist, as a musician, you will have in your own brain what you want to come to fruition. And if you can bring that thing to fruition, even if you needed a little automated help to get there, in the end, it's still your creation. And... And, and I don't think there's anything wrong with using the tools that are in front of you. Um, and that's kind of the conversation that's come up a little bit is, is um, on that scale, it almost has the same argument that, uh, that you've heard people talking about with like uh, piracy or whatever. 
And it's, and it's this idea of like, well, if they weren't going to spend money on it anyways, did you lose money when this person pirated something? And if somebody like Jeff wasn't ever going to pay an artist to do something to begin with, did an artist lose their lunch over this? Like, probably not. Um, you know, when you begin to get into like slippery slope with that kind of analogy is when you're looking at the grand scale of things, because artists aren't losing their lunch over what me and Jeff do or what any of us do. They're going right. to lose their lunch over what, what Microsoft does. does. Yeah, right. exactly. And, um, and, you know, so there's a, conver a different conversation to be had there. It's kind of interesting looping this back into the Morrowind thing. Um, because number one, like Morrowind has very, very small, um, right. I don't even think we got into the headline of this, but uh, modders are going to be using AI to voice act the lines in Morrowind. Yeah. Notably, because Morrowind only has a small amount of voice acting. There, and there's like a lot of there's like six voice actors in the entire game. Yeah. The the biggest of which is the main protagonist. <laughs> um and antagonist. And sorry, antagonist. Um, and uh, most of his lines even aren't spoken. Uh, yeah, he does a lot of talking uh, to you in the big famous text window. Right. And he says things like, you know, uh, what a grand and intoxicating innocence. You know, everybody recognizes his voice when if you've played the game. But then you have other, and they're mostly just like barks. They're little scripted thing like, you like to dance close to the fire, you know. Uh, you know, um, why walk when you can ride? You know, right. uh, make a special trip just for you. This Same is low this price. is my domain, and and you yeah. will bow to me, and yeah. and and will not. That part wasn't voice acted, but if you could train an AI to fill in the blanks, right? I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I don't think he's losing no. his lunch money because he got paid twenty years ago to voice those lines. Yeah, yeah, and and at this point, Morrowind is is you know I don't. I, I was going to use the word life support. I don't think Morrowind is on life support. I think that it's fans and these types of things are giving it a whole new life. Um, I think it's dead weight. Yeah. You can just. Yeah. Every, everything it's okay over weight. there? You shut your mouth. Um, <laughs> yeah, everything's great. And I'm going to drive over to your house and punch you in the throat. <laughs> Um, no, but it's kind of interesting, like speaking of things that are keeping it alive, like one of the things that's notable with like the Tamriel rebuilt mod, which is attempting to create the, uh, you know, the mainland of Morrowind and so much more of the world and introduce new quests and NPCs and items and all of these things. Mm -hmm. It's, it's like making the game size huge, like more than doubling it. Um, and there is like an open casting call on the Tamriel Rebuilt website for voice actors to come in. They want people who love the game, who have some modicum of talent, who can come in and donate their time and skill to voice, um, you know, characters in the game. And and so, on one hand, I don't think Tamriel Rebuilt is going to change gears on that. They want to inject fan passion into it. Right. And this is another thing entirely. Um, so I don't know. It's kind of interesting. One, one I, thing with Bethesda and and Morrowind, Oblivion, Skyrim in general is they've always welcomed the modern community. And I think you have to. If, if you want your game to be popular and have a player base 20 years from now and still be selling copies to new players, 
there's no way to keep it alive other than fans. You're not going to support that game for 20 years outside of WoW. And right. and WoW was an anomaly even within that spectrum. Right. Uh you know, think of all the MMOs that have come and gone with tribes and Star Wars Online and and everything else. Even, you know... Dark Age of Camelot. Dark, yeah. E even, like, big, big names have come and gone and failed and no longer exist. Although a couple of them are kept afloat by enthusiast communities. And... Yeah. <sighs> I, I hate the idea of so many games being and so many publishers being so anti-mod uh, that once the game's servers shutter, it's like, well, that was a good five years, but to hell with that game. And yeah. no, because today, what was I playing today, Rhett? You were playing Star Wars. Specifically, I was playing Dark Forces 2, Jedi Knight, oh, and Dark Forces. Um, I played both the original and, and the sequel today uh, because of fan remakes. And, and that brings us perfectly into the next article, is uh, a single person who is a super fan of Dark Forces 2, Jedi Knight has been painstakingly recreating the game in the Unreal Engine over a three-year development cycle and has now released a public beta. Uh, it's available in his Discord server. I played the first level of this today, and oh my god, it's amazing. There's no Jedi powers instituted yet, but he does have a lightsaber and dismemberment so if you ever yeah. wanted to know what it's like to uh swing through stormtroopers in that game oh my god it's so good and i know jedi knight 2 jedi outcast had dismemberment there's something about the unique aesthetic of this particular game, because this was a late 90s, Windows 98-based game, DirectX 6. Like, it was in the thick of the... We don't know how to 3D render without proper accelerators yet, but we have, like, four different accelerators, and all of them work vastly differently. And there's no unified API, there's no unified this or that... Uh, you can even do software rendering if you want. That's totally a thing. Like, cool. The more the merrier. And, uh, <coughs> and this dude has recreated the entire game rather faithfully in Unreal. I've, I've seen recreations like this before with, like, The Simpsons Hit and Run and yeah. Ocarina of Time and things like that. It's like, I remade the game in Unreal. No, you made something that looks like a bastard child of it. Uh, no offense to individual makers, but just because it looks like Ocarina of Time or Simpsons Hit and Run does not mean it plays and interacts and lives and breathes the way the original game did. Because those were one-off engines that were created in that day. Sorry, Charlie is biting my headphones now. Um, 
that ran those games. And so they have their own rules for physics and interactions and 3D modeling and everything else that goes along with that. And there's no real right way to remaster those games without remastering all the physics as well. And I'm happy to say this version of Jedi Knight, it feels like the original, but it looks amazing. Check it out. Yeah, Jeff was having a great time. He's giggling like a schoolboy over there. I, I I said out loud multiple times, this looks so good. You're like, Star Wars always needed headshots. No, I said Star headshots never felt more satisfying than they do in Star Wars with full ragdoll physics. <laughs> there you go. That yeah. was the quote. <laughs> <laughs> What a rousing endorsement. Yes. Anyway, this has been Talking Heads, episode 271. Make sure to tune in every Wednesday night at 6 p.m. Pacific time for the latest in beer and tech news right here on YouTube. Make sure to like this video if you liked it. Subscribe to Craft Computing if you haven't done so already. Uh, follow us on Mastodon. I'm at Craft Computing. He's at Rhett is Awesome on pretty much every social media. And uh, Rhett, anything good of the order? Bad of the order, order, good of the order. Uh, No, just check out those links that Jeff said. And uh, if you're a fan of science fiction or fantasy, I just published a short story uh, with an awesome online magazine called Starward Shadows. Go to starwardshadows.com and uh, hopefully you can find my piece up there. If you're a fan of uh, sword and sorcery uh, in the vein of, you know, Michael Moorcock, Robert E. Howard, like Conan the Barbarian um you had a bi- you had a biography snippet written about you for oh yeah for, yeah oh yeah it's pretty sexy it mentions craft computing when, when he's not editing videos for craft computing or coming up with with witty pre-roll advertisements he's yeah uh, it up like yeah and red goes, red goes and i didn't write that yeah <laughs> it's pretty sexy stuff so go check it out starwardshadows.com skull has the link there thanks guys cool cool yeah uh thank you all so much for watching it has been real make sure to join the patreon link is down in the video description every dollar helps keep the lights on around here and bring content to your eye holes speaking of rets holes uh and uh Gets you access to the Discord server. You can chat with myself, John, Rhett, Steve, all the hosts from Talking Heads, and join the awesome community that hangs out over there, and particularly take part in the after party, which I'll be jumping into in about 10 minutes or so. So, see you all there. Anyway, thank you all so much for watching. As always, we will see you next week.